Travelers, thank the gods. Get in, get in here. Okay. The seal should be able to hold this time. This time, I am not going to lose my goddamn and I will not build this place for the third damn time. Alright, so let's see. Now, I'm going to be a little bit busy. I'm trying to hold all these seals together. Uh, you know how it is. Go on over to Wingover. The travelers bring up people famous and bad. Um, just looking through the book here. Oh, you think you're somebody's luck? Here's a magic book. It contains everything that's going to happen, has happened, it will happen. Uh, you think there would be a little bit of, like, freaking context? Half this stuff is out of place. It is. Uh, sometimes it'll write there and then it'll suddenly cross itself out and they'll start writing new things. And uh, right now it's just. Travelers, it says the world is being consumed. Travelers, it says it's too late. There's no way it's too late. It's, it's impossible. Uh, I'm sorry, Travelers. I, I really have to look through this book. Well, why don't I help out then? Bernard? Bernard Busybody? What the hell are you doing in here? Michael, what are the cultists got in? Oh, don't be so silly, Wingover. I'm here to help out to ensure your inn doesn't get destroyed. The light of the shining god is here to protect you. The light of the shining god is what is destroying everything. Why is it so hard? for religious people to understand that if their god is literally destroying a world and people, that maybe, maybe it's not here to save us. Oh, I understand you're a little confused. Don't worry, inside the walls of light it is a pure utopia away from divine tyranny. But I am here to assist you. You sit there and I'll give a little read to things. I just... I guess. Alrighty. Ooh, I've always wanted to read the bad mail. Let us see here. In quality, D and D. Five stars. Ooh, this one is from uh, Guyland. I like this podcast more than the goofy ones I've heard. This story feels like a story I could play with my friends and have fun, and that's why I keep listening. Well, I'm glad you have fun in the Canadas. You enjoy your time there with your friends and ensure that you praise our shining and benevolent God and you'll feel wonderful. Oh, I also have a little missive here. Um, head on to the battlebards.com. Wonderful sound effects, uh, uh, such as a, a sunburst. Oh, that, that sounds lovely and bright. Or even uh, starships exploding in the night sky. Oh, that would, that would be quite the wonderful firework, I have to say. There's always a silver lining to every situation. Take this, for instance. I'm in a, a place where everybody wants me dead, but I'm here to make some new friends. Make sure you head on over. We have a wonderful merch store on our website. We also have a, 
a lovely Patreon, which helps us pay for hosting and music and sound effects and all the good stuff that make Ballad what it is. Alright, travelers, you're probably wondering what's old Death Shift up to right now? Well, I have such good news for you. They just had such a wonderful time hanging out and praising that odd Ronnie. Now it's time for them to maybe have a little bit more of a nice time. You'll see what I mean. I bring to you back to the beginning, part three. Hey, I'm Bright, and I'm playing Kalsar, the tiefling paladin and chosen of Yetifa. Hi, uh, I'm Humberto, and I'm playing Bordon, Dwarven Cleric and Chosen of Time. I'm Evan, and I'm playing Ronnie, the Half-Elf Bard and Chosen of Chaos. Hey, I'm Robert, and I'm playing MZ, the Gith Yankee Ranger and Chosen Blood. Hey, I'm Jason, and I'll be playing Drax here. The Dragonborn Artificer and Chosen of Machines. had finally made it to Geldspar. Everybody was coming from far and wide to see what was going on in this town. Once destroyed by the beast, now thrived more than triple the size. The party had managed to locate Ronnie, and after giving her some words of responsibility and three compliments each, we now come to our scene with our heroes. And now the party, the party stands is standing there, there as well Ronnie is, is hugging Kelsar. Tears are coming down his face. Cloney is kind of standing there, and the rest of you are—you still have your meal in front of you. Okay, right, Ronnie. Just please, just—you've been hugging me for like ten minutes here. <laughs> Why? Okay, so what? I mean. Besides eating our food, what's our next step? Like, we literally don't need to be in the city anymore. By the way, Roni, how, how the heck did you get the city to be rebuilt, like, in a week? I was also going to ask, it seems like you have some very interesting craftsmen at work here. Yeah, it's it's been, like, I don't know, four months, so, like, that's, you know, that seems like normal city turnaround time to me. Uh, you know, back home it was, like, a month, but, you know, it's, like, all stone agey here, so... That checks out. <laughs> I thought it was like a week. Why, why is it like four months? Indeed. Because uh, there's... I don't know how many days there are in a month here. <laughs> I don't know how long... I don't know how, how... I don't know, Time Mage. Why don't you use your time magic to find out about the time? I'm using my time, my time magic called Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. You look at the calendar and it's like, seven days doesn't make four months. 
yeah, I mean, you're you're the timey guy, so I don't know. You tell me. Maybe you were speeding through time, Mr. Speedy Pants. <laughs> it was four months over here. <laughs> you know what? I don't care. Um, yeah. All right. It's just that, too much effort. This is the most death shift approach. <laughs> <laughs> just, just fuck. That's fine. Let's burn. Let's burn this city down again. <laughs> oh God. No, oh, hey, don't talk about that here. I just spent a lot of time making him think that that wasn't us. <laughs> but, but you straight. <laughs> I mean, did, did you tell Tiffany that you did? I told her that we were heroes because we bravely ran away. I didn't say anything about us maybe kind of starting stuff. Oh, okay. No. Now we are called Sir Robin. Yeah. That also makes sense. Okay, so, so we got the third instrument. Yay. What do we do now? Probably find a way to get back to Sanctuary and find out what we do next. Now we have all three instruments. We should, right? The, it the, would be the most logical like logical step especially since like we need them to finish this war yeah so let's let's start doing that mm -hmm. let me just finish my war <laughs> yeah no no take your time mm -hmm. i am the caravans yeah it's right outside you could, you could hop right in it we could eat and drive yeah <laughs> get it to go plate is that what you'd all like to do just hop in the caravan and head on out I mean, we got what we needed, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let, let's pay Tiffany first, though. Yeah, no, I I, I, I left the ten gold pieces uh, that I found for her. Oh, there you go. Why do I get this feeling that there's, like, an impending disaster if Roddy leaves the town? Like, that, that's why Lucas asked. Yeah, <laughs> but, but that would be on brand for him. This is like all of you guys saying my play was going to be bad. <laughs> A perfectly normal. It was play. not a perfectly yeah, normal. Okay. Play. Uh, fine, you know what? <laughs> I understand the theater. Okay. When you say normal, it's the same as the everything is okay or this is okay. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is fine. <laughs> this is fine. Yeah. You all like you wrap up your meal. You head on out. The your cart is still there. Your caravan. You hop on in it. Uh, Ronnie, it doesn't look like much has changed. Uh, with Cloney's eating like a portion of your snacks. You see, actually, when you come in, there's that book. That book of friends is sitting on the table inside the caravan. Uh-huh. Do we all see it? Yeah, everyone sees it. I'm good. As I see it, I'm reminded. I'm like, by the way, Ronnie, what is this book about exactly? And who did you get it from? Uh, what's any book about? Yeah, honestly, you're at, don't ask Ronnie questions about <laughs> books because he doesn't know. <laughs> What I mean to ask is, how did you come across it, exactly? I think that, I don't know, some guy gave it to me. I helped him move out of, get out of sanctuary on a boat. It was a real long time ago. But, you know, like, you get something and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll totally look at this later. And then you put it in your bag. And then it's been, like, three weeks since uh, you recorded and then you forgot all about it for <laughs> a year and a half. <laughs> Did you happen to catch his name, occupation, and birth sign? Uh, yeah. Jimmy Sagittarius, uh, currently unemployed. <laughs> we weren't a batch. <laughs> All right, Ronnie. Well, just take that at face value. All right, if there's nothing else to take care of, maybe we should go. 
What's GTFO? We could we could finally finish this, guys. You get in the caravan, no problem. We're on the road again. I, I feel like everything is... This is definitely sketchy, but Kalsar doesn't know, so, you know. No, I know, I know, but, like, Bordon would know. If things, like, are just too good to be true, he will... <laughs> You're just vigilant. Yeah, I'll probably, you know, like, question it. Um, like, I, I'm kind of a more than that, in the now kind of guy. Let's finish this for now. Yeah, sure. Kelsar has taken the Thor approach. Like, he was super serious, like, hardcore, gotta live up to my name, gotta be the hero, to... Uh, he's, you know, slapping back chicken wings and just, you know, has a beer in one hand and he's just, he's just yeah. like a pot belly. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, definitely. He's, he's like, I fought Oblivion, you know, we cut Oblivion's head off and just like since then it's just, you know. Well, I mean, he's watched like nearly everyone he cared about die. I mean, that would fuck anyone up, honestly. It's It's been hard. Yeah, he's kind of gotten to the Thor attitude right now. But deep down, he deep yeah. down he's hurting. He's really hurting. Yeah, just like Thor. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why Kalsar is prescribed medical marijuana. Ask your doctor yeah. today. <laughs> Legalize it. It's true. It's already legalized. Wait, it already is. Never mind. <laughs> you all are just in this caravan, and it's moving along. You head out to Geldspar. Everyone's still in a super good mood. You you see people are just talking. A lot of people are waving at Ronnie as Ronnie's like kind of poking his head out a window, looking around. Uh, a lot of your fans, Ronnie, are cheering for you as you're going through here, saying they love you, like take care, best luck on your trip, on whatever it is you're doing. It'll probably be great as always. And you're just you're getting a lot of this love and adoration that you missed so badly. You head on out of this uh, this small very fast-growing town. Wait, 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 Lucas. Um, I, I just wanted to use commute as, like... A commune? A commune, not commute. <laughs> I always say commute. <laughs> I mean, I am commuting. <laughs> we kind of already are. And it was the same thing. You were heading from a town in the caravan. I was like, is he going Yeah. Faster? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, sorry. Commune. Gee. Yeah. Yeah, commune? <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll use commune. Oh, oh yeah, it's... I actually wrote commute. Uh, commune. Going to, to, to ask if we are in danger. It's going to take 10 minutes, so we can just, like, I don't know if if something bad will happen. No. It's you peacefully leave the town. <laughs> and then suddenly a Tarask. Bah! Good to be true. <laughs> You're communing with Dumathoin, right? You're reaching out. Hold on to your holy symbol. You have a number of candles lit. You're sitting down in this meditative pose as you're reaching to Dumathoin. You feel this thread so thin. It's you can feel like it's Dumathoin, but it's so weak compared to what you're used to. When you first talked to Dumathoin, it was such a powerful presence, such strength that just awed you. And now it feels like you're holding the hand of like a, a feeble old man. And you can barely reach out to him, but you get this connection. And you you ask if you're in danger. And you hear back, No. Are we close 
to end all this madness? Yes. So my last question is, should I worry about Ronnie? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of things. This this is a this is a real deep question. Uh, Probably. How the fuck would he answer this? It's it sucks because I could just do one word, right? Yeah. Is it like a magic eight ball, and you can say, "Ask me again." <laughs> <laughs> you hear like a. It, it takes a minute, right? Like you can clearly tell, like the connection's still mm. there, but this god of knowledge and secrets uh, and all things is really thinking. I can on see it. like the beach ball, <laughs> you know, like rolling. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a hell of a question when God has to think for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He goes, yes. So I should be worried. So, and then he just fades away, right? The connection, it ends, and it just, you get, it's not a good feeling. Like, when this, this connection fades, you get almost like a, kind of like a weird little jolt of anxiety as the, the connection fades. So I round up the like the group, and then even even mm-hmm. like Roni, and then I say, and Cloney, sure whatever he can bring like his familiar with him. Um, so I just say, okay. So I had like this talk with the Mathoin. So he said that we are currently like not in danger. Cool. But uh, we should. Like, worry about Brony. I mean, I, th- I think that was kind of a given. No, 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 no. Like, I say, we should really, really worry about him. Oh. Um, and then, I, I so, I look at Brony and I say, like, I'm not trying to be an ass. Um, even though, like, I really like making fun of you and, and all that shit. But if you are... I don't know if you are a danger to us or if you are in danger, but the moment you are in danger, we are also in danger because, unfortunately, we need your help. So, Ronnie, did something happen while you were here that we should be concerned about? Hmm. No, I mean... By the way, uh, where where did you get that drum from? No, I always have this drum. You always had one piece of the puzzle. Apparently. I got a lot of instruments. Uh, you know, so like, you know, you don't, you don't know when something's going to be useful. you got to keep the stuff around. You can't just go throwing stuff out. Ronnie's a bit of a hoarder. I met some weird dwarf guy. He had gold. He had like these uh, big gold arms, kind of like yours, Borgie. But uh, they're all like cracked and old. Uh, so I don't know. You got like a relative who's got one of those. You know, like the you from the future. You know, like uh, or you are the other Ronnie from the future. Or is that that's what you say, right? You probably met me from the actual future. So your clone? Um, <laughs> not really my clone. Me. Okay. Like, did, did, I mean, I, I saw him. Like, it was extremely eerie. You know? Like, it, it was, like, when, when I looked at him, it, it felt like that I was looking, like, in a mirror. You know? Like, I could feel that 
him, like, because I saw him in Geldspar, right? Um, and he just disappeared. Maybe I should have to look for him, but I mean, time's off the essence. So, did he say anything? Like, he just... He wanted to play poker, uh, so I bet the mallets for the drum. And I was pretty sure I was going to win, but uh, uh, it turns out that a pair is actually not as good as I thought it was. <laughs> a pair. <laughs> yeah, he had more than one of those pairs. Oh, I see. Well, I'm glad that I'm still good at poker. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did win a. I did get this rock out of him. So, I don't know. Do you show the rock? Yeah, throw it a board on. So board on. You catch this rock, and your heart skips a beat. It's kind of like the equivalent of if somebody in this day and age just handed someone Excalibur. Mm -hmm. You are looking at this thing that. It's something of legend. It's something that the dwarves talk about. The When the first group of dwarves migrated to Mons Regnum from their old world thousands of years ago, they had this stone that led them to Mons Regnum. They used it. They called it the Forge Stone. And you're looking at it, and there there's old, old scrolls of drawings, and there's like murals of this thing. But when they used it to get there it disappeared and no one's ever seen it ever since and now you're holding on to it looking at this this rock and as you're looking at it it's it's basically like a solid chunk of argentum yeah and it's it's shimmering as you're holding on to it it's got like this hollow shimmer to it and you see like all these like very tiny dwarven runes are carved all over this thing i start like to tear up you know, so I'd like to sob. Yeah, it's it's a very important moment uh, to me. What what what's going on, Bro Boron? Like this piece of rock that Ronnie just gave me? That's literally dwarven history. Really? That's that's probably the most important thing in my world. And it just vanished. And and you had it. I no, I need to examine like this rock right now. Of course, Borgon, take the time you need. Yeah, so sorry. I mean, I don't I don't want to be rude. It's just because, like, this no, no. Go, is go, extremely go. important. Go, go. Thank you. You know, Borgon, that this is... It's basically, this is a key. This is, like, a gate. Lucas, I'm going to hug Ronan and say thank you. Oh, my God. I never thought I'd... Oh, that's it, everyone. <laughs> By the end of the podcast, we're <laughs> hug everyone. I did it. I never you thought you guys I would. did it. Hell half frozen. Then, over. Yeah. It's been it's been a good run. No. We, uh... Yeah. No. Thanks. Thanks for participating. I'll see you on next year. Yeah. on you you embrace Ronnie and his weird smelling clones, and you hold on to him. His his platinum suit is cold, but you don't care. And you're holding on to this this piece, this momentous piece of history of your people, this gate stone that would take you home. And then I, I start crying copiously. Now I feel that I can go home. I, I can go back home, but probably not, like not without my sister. We'll find her. Or you know, saving the universe. <laughs> yeah, that's another important thing too. I mean, of course, I'm not going to leave. Like the guys here. 
But I mean, having the means to go back home, that's extremely important. I'm, I'm very happy for you, Borgon. So I start uh, studying this town. It is incredibly complex. Every time, like you're kind of like looking in on it, you think like it, like inside the runes on it, there are more runes inside that. Like it just keeps going to this insane degree level. Like the amount of magic inside this, it's this ancient, old magic, and it, it, you just feel it pulse through your hands, and it feels amazing. Do I know if, like, besides being like a compass of sorts, can I extract some power from it? Like, can I strengthen my my link with Dumathoin? You could try to use it like kind of like a catalyst to kind of strengthen that connection. Exactly. Why don't you go ahead and roll me... You can either do an Arcana or a Religion. I'll let you do either one. Religion it is. I'm, I'm going to use my uh, my Flash of Genius to help Borodon. I was going to hand him, like, this really fancy-looking hand lens to observe and examine the rock. Does it give him... What was that? Give him advantage or a plus? It gives him a plus five to the roll. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, like a net 20 plus a d4. Oh. Three plus five plus seven. So, Lucas, I just got, like, 35. I don't think we're getting a higher roll than this. Uh, <laughs> you're looking at this stone, you're focusing on it, you're thinking about Dumathoin. Your mind, it's just like everything seems to fade away around you as you're concentrating. And the sounds of the wagon, the sounds of the birds outside, your friends talking around you, everything fades. You feel yourself kind of just swirling in this this void, this energy around you. You can see around you Mons Regnum. It's not the city you remember, but it's the city it is now. There's a heavy gloom, this, this fog that's rolled over. You see ruined buildings, and you see like there's, there's skeletons in the streets, tipped over carts. You see a group of dwarven soldiers that are in this like bone armor, jump out from behind one of the turned over carts and just start hacking away at these undead, completely dismantling them, like ripping them apart, and then once they're done, one of them just stomps on one of the creature's heads and they, they nod to each other. You follow along with these dwarves, you see like they take a sewer entrance and go uh, deep into these sewers, it connects into these tunnels, and this all just seems to be happening at an incredibly fast pace for you. You see there is this makeshift dwarven camp, and there's a lot of dwarven guards everywhere. You see a lot of the citizens of Mons Regnum, they still live. They're living and hiding at the moment. They're underneath the city, but they're still alive, the heart of Mons Regnum. You see all these people everywhere. They have these quick shacks that are put up. It looks like everything was designed to be taken down really quickly and moved if need be. You're passing through all these areas of these citizens you go through these areas where it looks like all these carps have been laid down and tapestries, like everything has just been it looks like a, the fanciest place in this makeshift town and you see your brother is lying down on this bed his skin very pale, a sweat on his brow, you can see that your mother is dabbing this cloth across his head while she's speaking to him, you can't hear what they're saying, your brother's fevered eyes look over and they meet your gaze and he can see you for a second, and he mouths something to you. 
and you pick up the words, the castle, and you come back and everyone's around you again. You are no longer in Mons Regnum. Father, can I try uh, casting divine intervention to maybe um, make my, like, maybe to heal? You know, you got a 35. Uh, I'll just let your divine intervention work. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> because. Yeah, it was, it was, like, pretty high. Because that's, that's about as good as you could possibly do. <laughs> For the divine intervention, I will try to you my brother. So, what? can you read me the description of divine intervention? Beginning at 10th level, you can call on your deity uh, to intervene mm. on your behalf when your need is great. Imploring to your deity's aid requires you to use your action. Describe the assistance uh, you seek and roll person pile die. If your roll, if you roll a number uh, equal to or lower than your cleric level, your deity uh, intervenes. The DM chooses the nature of the intervention. The effect of any cleric spell or cleric domain spell would be appropriate. If uh, your deity intervenes, you can use this feature again for seven days. Otherwise, you can use it again after you finish a long rest. So all of you see this. Borodon concentrates incredibly hard once more, holding on to the stone, chanting under his breath. Everything fades around all of you. Now all of you can see what Borodon was seeing, the ruins of Mons Regnum. Oh. And you see his brother is there, just feverishly muttering. His mother is wiping the sweat off his brow with a wet cloth and trying to soothe him. He's looking at all of you. He can clearly see all of you as he's just, like, glancing around. He, it looks like he's saying the same words over again, the castle, the castle. And you look behind you, and it, it should be the wall of, like, tapestries and cloth. But instead, you see the... Board on your old castle, this beautiful, giant castle that has been built into the side of this mountain. And all of you can see this, this work of art. There are murals along the sides of the wall depicting great battles. There are these overgrown gardens that are along the outside fountains that are still going strong. You see it like almost like zooms in, like goes through the front door, goes through a number of hallways, enters into this throne room. You see... There is this incredibly old dwarf sitting at the base of the throne. And Bordon, you recognize this as Dumathoin. And he looks emaciated. Like his, his cheeks are sunken in. His hair is very wispy. It looks like there's barely any meat on his bones. He looks incredibly tired and just unwell. He looks at you and catches your eyes and slowly nods to you. He waves a feeble hand, and you glance back, and you see your brother. The color starts returning to his cheeks. His eyes close as he falls into a restful sleep. And you see your mother just excitedly say something, and other dwarves, the physicians, are rushing in. You glance back, and sitting on this throne, just sort of clicking his fingers on the arm of it, and one hand resting under his chin, you see Father Matthews his 
leg is over one arm of the throne as well. He's smiling at all of you. This wide smile. These yellow broken teeth are smiling at you as this blood is dribbling down his chin from split lips. He glances down at Dumathoin and just places a hand and like ruffles his hair and then winks at Bordon. Matthews. Well, I'm gonna kill you! I'm counting on it. And then all of you are back in the caravan. Son of a bitch! Damn it! I'm sorry, Bordon. We're gonna get him back for this tenfold. I promise. Yeah, I, I really need... Because without Dumathoin, I'm just like a, a regular dwarf. Now I'll lose all my powers. You're more than just a regular dwarf. You know that. You're capable of so much more than you think. Bordon, it's not your powers that make you. Alright? You do. These two and a half years, like, would like to just say otherwise, but thank you. We have to hurry and take them down. We do. That that's why we're we're going as fast as we can. Yeah. Let's finish this. Is there anything you'd all like to do on your way to sanctuary, Lucas? Yeah. Can I train Cloney? What would you like to train him in? I guess bardic magic. I don't know. Can I do a? I was trying to think if I could do a because he's at like level three or something right now. Mm-hmm. If I can get him up to like four. Yeah, I'll give him a level in bard. And it's it's kind of like a weird thing while you're training Cloney, because you have this transfer of knowledge that seems to just happen instinctually between you, and that's how he's picking up so fast in this. You're getting weird things like when he went to Tulnarath and saw like the red dragons battling in the sky <laughs> against a <laughs> the Gith Yankee queen. You uh, experienced like there was a robot you saw for a glimpse that was fighting board and just all sorts of really weird stuff. You you saw like a wraith and a harp and an explosion and just really weird things that you're getting from him while you're transferring information to him. And you're just kind of glad you missed <laughs> those really stressful moments. Yep. Is there anything uh, you three would like to do? Because Ronnie is currently going to spend most of his time training Clooney. Can I use my uh, my amulet I got from when I was at, uh, like, when I fought Yagditha to contact my family? Yeah. Sure. You go to your room to use this amulet? Yes. Okay. You're concentrating on this amulet, and you feel this warmth come from it, this familial warmth. You open up your eyes, and you're once more in this house, your grandmother's home. You see your mother and father sitting at the table. They're having a cup of tea. Your grandma's sitting in a large chair that's near the fire, and she looks up and smiles at you. They all turn towards you. Hey, guys. Kelsar. I just really wanted to see you guys. Is everything okay? It doesn't matter right now, if it is or not. I just want this moment to say... Just, just... I just wanted to spend time with you. You all. And I might be seeing you all soon. They smile at you. Your dad kind of, like, pulls a chair out for you to sit down at the table with them. Thanks, Dad. 
your grandmother gets up and she sits at the table and this food just kind of appears like the as if the the table was set you're just you're just having a dinner with your family for the first one that you could really remember as your memories are still hazy a bit of a blur of home but this is this is nice i could i could get used to this i never thought i could have a kind of a life like this but i could i could see myself having a life like this your dad he kind of puts his arm around you elsar i know that you just you want to run into battle you want to take down matthews you want to kill whatever's in the way and arming everyone but you have to promise to us you're going to do your best to make it through the other side what if my best isn't good enough it will be thanks dad i will give everything i have and you see he just he gives you a hug as he's he's sitting there at the table with you and then pats your back i know you will i can't wait to see you all again your mother reaches over she puts her hand on your hand and just gives it a, a tight squeeze. You'll see us, Kalsar. Don't worry. I know. Just make sure it's not too soon. Sure, Mom. And this dinner, it's it's nice. It, nothing bad happens. No scary things outside the window anymore, because Yagditha's gone. It's not in your head anymore. You're just having dinner. It's just a, a nice, peaceful moment in your life. You eat your meal, you... You're talking, you're telling stories about things that happened, weird things you've encountered. They're telling you stories about how you were a kid and the crazy stuff you do. <laughs> I did that? And just all these these tales that you, you don't remember much of it. Every once in a while there's a little flash of memory and it, it feels good to have that back. And time passes and before you know it, you you drift off to sleep and you wake up as the the wagon kind of like bumps over a stone and you're looking. Okay. Okay. Draxir, what are you up to during this time? Uh, how much time do I have? You got probably like two days. Okay. I'm going to use my shiny new spell storing item to uh, imbue one of my bloodstones with... Uh, warding bond and I'm gonna give it to Cloney. So it's a little bit of a complicated spell. The spell awards a willing creature you touch and creates a mystic connection between you and the target until the spell ends. While the target is within 60 feet of you it gains plus one bonus to AC in saving throws and it has resistance to all damage. Also each time it takes damage you take the same amount of damage. The spell ends if you drop to zero hit points if, or if you and the target become separated from 60 feet. So basically Cloney can use this whenever he wants using like this gemstone mm -hmm. I'm basically just going to instruct him to use it to save Ronnie so I'll just be like make sure you keep our Ronnie alive using this spell well all you got to do is uh, touch him and activate the stone by squeezing it and well you'll uh, make him a bit tougher oh that's uh I guess that's pretty good I don't know I don't really know how to <laughs> deal with that Sounds about on brand. That sounds like a Ronnie <laughs> response. Yeah. Uh, during the rest of the time, I'll, I'll take some time driving, like sitting at the front of the carriage and uh, just kind of relaxing as much as possible, too. While you're at the front of the carriage, 
this this little bird comes flying and it, it lands just like on the seat near you and Uhtred. And you look over at it and it's a bird made out of metal. It has these glowing eyes, looks up at you. And then it like tur- it twitches its head and then its eyes shoot out these images and it, it creates like this little screen in front of you. And you see uh, Ramirez who was talking to you that first time you showed up in the plain white room. Drax here. Hi. So glad we can get a hold of you. How have things been? Uh, they've been all right. We got to do what we wanted to do, and we found our our Ronnie again. Well, I suppose you don't know much about that. No. Looks like you got some improvements. I like the modifications, those uh, things in your chest. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, why did you call? Well, first off, the research team is dying to know about these new modifications you got. But we can we can dip into that later when you show up. Uh, just wanted to let you know your family's here. We got them set up. Uh, they're just getting you know they're going through orientation. Just you know just trying to get be a part of the community. Learn what does it mean to be in the Nostradamus Corporation community. And uh, just really appreciate you uh, talking to our ST3V3 and uh, making that ball roll. Cause you know, like we got a lot of stuff, always so many meetings and deals. Like sometimes things slip through our fingers. Well, it's good to hear that they're doing well. Yeah, they are confused, <laughs> very terrified, but you know what? Uh, people bounce back fast. We find that fear is just, you know, it's just a hurdle. Yeah, I'll have to have a talk when I'm back or I suppose when I'm working for you guys. If you like, we can set up a video chat for you uh, later on, probably in a, a couple of days. We can probably get it going. Sure, and maybe they can meet my current companions too. That sounds fantastic. Okay, just gonna mark that in my calendar. So I don't forget <laughs> this one. <laughs> you know, it is Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> right, sit in. It's like okay, perfect. <laughs> All right. Uh, so just cover your eyes. This bird's gonna blow up. Alright, I like kind of duck down and hide my head under my arms. And it's just this like pop sound. <laughs> and then the bird just like explodes on like a little flash of light. Alright. I just gonna kind of. I'm a little bit shaken. Like, I'm like, why? But okay. <laughs> Research team's still trying to get the kinks out on that one, but you know. <laughs> I thought the explosion thing wasn't a big deal. So that it's that's your weird <laughs> experience while while driving the cart. All right, exploding birds. Ordon, you are sitting on your bed. Like you've gotten just a lot of information. You're holding on to this forge stone, and you feel just the energy from it. You can distantly hear the sound of a drum beating from the bag of holding. You're not really paying it much mind, and. Just kind of, what's going on with Bordon at this moment? So, I'm probably thinking, what can I do to help Doomthorn now? It is like I'm in a very complicated situation now. Because mm-hmm. if I keep tapping on his power, he, like, I don't know if I'm draining him. I mean, I don't know exactly, like, how um, divine magic works. So I don't know if they lend me the power or if the power is already uh, within me and um, I'm just making his will 
it, it's definitely like a, a lending of, of power. Like he's funneling his power through you. You're like a conduit for, for the miracles that he can provide. Yeah, so shouldn't my powers start to get weaker? They don't seem to be. You remember you had that hiccup when the tentacles originally smashed in, consuming a third of the planet? There was a moment where you and Kelsar felt no divine connection. Kelsar doesn't necessarily worship any beings, but he has like a divine, like energies that he gets from just like his, his purpose, his moral code and stuff he has. And as you, you had your divine connection to your god and all that was just like kind of cancelled for a couple seconds. But since then, you haven't really felt a disconnect from Dumasoin. Like the power is still the same. Like it's still strong. Yep. That makes no sense. I mean, not going to, you know, like, question what's going on. Because I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I still have this power. But maybe I'm starting to think that this power does not actually come from Dumathoin. Like, can I... Does that make any sense? You you definitely know this power comes from Dumathoin. Uh, when you've met him, it, it was the same feeling. as like when the spells go through you. And still to this point, it's been the same feeling. So you, you definitely know this power is from Dumathoin. That much you, you have a concrete belief in. Okay. So, I, I just don't understand. I mean, I can see that Dumathoin, I can I could literally see that Dumathoin is like barely holding uh, on, you know, like he's extremely weak. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. You're becoming god now. <laughs> Become as gods. Yeah. You're becoming the new Dumathoin. <laughs> Borodoin. Borodoin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Lucas. I need to. I don't know if this will make sense, but like, I need to do like some soul searching or whatever. Like, I, I need to understand because yeah, the power, like, yeah, the connection should start, like, should be weaker, but it's not like becoming weaker. And um, I guess I'll put this into some perspective because, like, obviously, there's there's some stuff that Boredom would be aware of that you, as you know, an Earthling, might not be. <laughs> when you were given this uh, chronomancy from Dumathoin, this gift from Dumathoin, that was it was almost like you're given like a piece of Dumathoin is given to you and then melded into your being. So you have a stronger connection than any other cleric of Dumathoin at this time. That being said, you having a piece of him, he's not complete. And as well as the, with the battle that he's been waging all this time trying to protect this planet, and he's, he's been telling you that his powers have been depleted by it, when the tentacles broke through, that probably dealt a heavy damaging blow to him. He just, he probably hasn't recovered from. I don't, I don't think like, what I'm going to say uh, makes any sense, but should I return to Mathon's power? You could. You could try, at least. I focus myself, and then I try to... I don't feel like that's the right thing to do, because I, I would be weaker, and then we're... What is it, something that Bordon might do? With his, like, a crisis of faith kind of thing? It's it's more of a, like, I, I want to help, 
but it doesn't make it like if he's relying on me to save the universe or reality or whatever then I don't know if like returning is part of the power would uh, I mean but I barely use time magic can I try to talk to Dumathoin I really need his wisdom now yes just go ahead and make a caster check you're trying to connect to him okay so I got seven Dodo you reach out to Dumathoin you feel your powers. You once more connect to that faint thread. You you reach out to try to contact him, and you hear, "Hello, I'm sorry. Dumathoid can't come to the phone right now, but don't worry, Boridon. We'll be seeing you soon." Then you feel the connection snap. see Dorum looking out a window at a snowy mountainscape. The winter winds howl outside as another storm begins. A scarred hobgoblin approaches Dorum. Their hands are clenched and a fearful look is in their eye. Ah! Great shining messiah! The creature known as the Beast has arrived. They're in the pod chamber, as you requested. I see. Thank you. That'll be all. Of course, your shininess. The hobgoblin quickly makes their escape as Dorum sighs and turns away from the window. She walks down a number of halls in this castle, and the room opens up into what was once probably a lavish ballroom. Now, symbols decorate the ground, and four machines are set in equal distances apart. Three contain individuals who are in medically induced comas. One, Spellsinger. Another holds Amelia. And the third contains Yolanda. The fourth remains open. The beast, or Tadorum, Aldric, lumbers along in the room board. Their hulking frame dwarfs these machines as they drag themselves forward on their knuckles. Their head is sunken down into their abdomen and it turns towards Dorum, the skin of the beast long gone revealing muscle and sinew. Aldric, thank you for coming by. I know you felt it too. Mal has left us. I know, my friend. Mine as well. A tear slides down Dorum's cheek as they walk up to Eldrick and rest a hand on their face. She always looked out for us. Even when we were just getting into trouble, she would find where we were and bail us out. All she wanted to do was run that tavern, and I took it away from her. Eldrick, we're so close to the end, but the closer we get, the more I feel like a monster. 
Why can't these people understand that we're trying to save them? Aldrich's long, clawed hand reaches out and brings Dorm in for a hug. As they hug one another, Dorm's eyes suddenly grow wide. She steps back from her old friend. Aldrich, how long have you had that power? How long have you been a plane walker? Aldrich looks at Dorm confused. Your ability to go wherever you like. I always thought it was the ghoulish one bringing you from place to place. This whole time it was you? Yes. Portals. Aldrich raises their hand and a portal opens up, showing a hill that overlooks their old town. The sleepy village has a few lanterns lit and the smell of the sea wafts through the open spell. Dorum looks longingly at a time long past. A time where friends sat around a table celebrating a win against a fallen angel. It's so close, yet unbelievably far away. I would give every last bit of my power to go back to that day, to never set foot into the Far Realms, to let someone else take on this holy quest. There are few things that I regret in my life, but taking this mantle and ruining all of you is the greatest one. Aldrich closes the portal and places his hand on Dorm's shoulder inside. We chose everyone responsible. But it was me who took us there. It was me who pushed you. It was me who convinced you all. I love you all too. Aldrich, the war is almost over. We found, we found our last plane walker. Dorm gives a pain-filled, weak smile as tears are streaming down her face. Aldrich looks confused for a moment and then turns to face the last machine. A look of understanding and peace flows over their face. I sleep now. No more pain. Yeah. No more pain, big guy. Aldrich slowly lumbers their body over to the machine. Whirs and clicks can be heard as the Nostradamus Corporation technology adjusts itself to be larger to accommodate Aldrich's frame. The hulking behemoth lifts themselves into the pod and slowly settles down. Dorum walks over and looks in at their childhood friend, whose body has been twisted and shaped into this horrible weapon. I love you, Aldrich. It'll be over soon. And when it is, I'll be the first to come and get you. Sleep well, dear friend. I will. 
Dorum leans forward and kisses their friend on the forehead, then presses a few buttons along the side of the pod. The lid slowly comes down and a mist is sprayed inside. Aldrich's eyelids get heavier and heavier as they slowly doze off into a painless slumber filled with dreams of old friends and good times. Dorum collapses to the ground, crying, their hands still on the pod. The roar of a great eldritch god reverberates. The symbols light up with a purplish light and begin shifting and transforming on the floor. They move faster and faster as a portal begins to open up. We zoom away from the castle, crashed in on one side of a mountain, and we see the walls of white. They are moving quickly now. The screams and wails of dozens of gods can be heard by only the most divine prophets and followers as they are consumed by Azathoth. The walls of white erase land, destroy kingdoms, and eat a world that once thrived with magics the like had never been seen. The time of war is now, and the Chosen must make their last stand, as there is not much of this world remaining.